would to Ephesians chapter 5 to the 6th verse. We'll look at that one again. In a study I've entitled, Walking in the Light. You, you see, if we're going to be imitators, if we're going to mimic, if we're going to mind the Lord Jesus, uh, we, we have to be walking as his children. And because your Bible says that he is the light, because your Bible says that we are actually the light, he passed that along to us when he left this earth, we are to be walking illuminaries for the Lord Jesus. Amen? Walking in the light. And I want to share with you before we pray from First John and from the first chapter, and it says there in verse 5, and you need not turn there, simply mark it down, for this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. This is the message which we heard from him, that him is Jesus, and we declare to you, the church, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Why do you suppose that passage says that? Because if there is light, there is no darkness. They are polar opposites. They cannot coexist. If there is light, there is no darkness. There may only be a little light, but if there's light, there's no darkness. There's no shadow in the things of the Lord. For if we say, it says in verse 6, that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That is why this particular passage, these sets of passages we've looked at for the last three weeks, are so very specific about a Christian having the ability to walk in sin. It's a lie. You can't do it. You can't claim the name of Christ and then walk in sin, that antinomian heresy. But if we walk in the light, it says in verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, with each other, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us to walk in the light. Lord, we're your kids. We're your family. We're your beloved. We ourselves are supposed to be the light as you are the light. And so, Lord, not just walk in it, but be about it. Lord, we pray that you'd anoint us to receive this morning and to hear what your Spirit would say to us as the church. We love you. We bless you. We praise you and invite you now, Lord, to work in us, to will and to do what is your good pleasure. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians 5, verses 6 and 7. And let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient, and therefore don't be associated with them, the New Revised Standard Version says. You, you see, there's a huge contrast being made. You, you see, you can't claim to be a Christian and walk in open rebellion to the very things that God says we are supposed to be as his kids. That's the message. For to do so is to not only be disobedient, but it's to try and test the edge of the envelope of exactly where God's grace would end in open rebellion. So I shared with you last time, I don't want to test the edge of that envelope. I'm tired of those questions that people often ask me. You know, well, how close can I get and not be sinning? How many beers is too many? How much petting is too much in a relationship? 
uh, you know, how many, well, what if I just change a few letters and use those words? Are they still swearing? How about if I just am only kind of sort of righteously indignant, but I never really get actually angry? How about if I just hit him in the shoulder instead of the face? You ever ask those questions, maybe in your heart or your mind? How close can I get to sin without sinning? It's a problem in the church. And it causes people to walk in a place that's not very filled with light. It is pretty dim, is a good way to look at it. There's a little light. There's some grace of God. But I want to encourage you, family of God, it's time for us to walk as children of the light. Amen? There's enough darkness in this world. You know, as I'm sitting there listening to Pastor Craig, I'm sitting there thinking about all the things that God's doing all over the world, and he wants people who will go be the light, period. He doesn't want to share his glory with anybody. He wants us to take his glory there. That's what being the light is. And so this verse, these two verses, actually build on what was said in chapter 4 and verse 14. You, You see, that freedom that we have in Christ is not the freedom to sin. It's the freedom from sin. It's not the freedom to do what you want. It's the freedom to do exactly what He has set you free to do and be. And there's a huge difference between those things. And I want to be very careful. I don't want to bring bondage on anyone. I don't want to bring legalism down. I I do not want to get to that place to where we have to sit around and debate the fine, subtle nuances of the things that God allows or doesn't allow. But I do want to tell you this, that the standard is the light himself. My standard's Jesus. My standard is not what the world says I can do, maybe, occasionally, if I like it. My standard's Jesus. And that is a very high standard. It's a holy standard. It actually, in our humanness, is an unreachable standard, but it nonetheless is the standard that we aspire and, uh, and try to be. You, you see, false teachers taught their false doctrines. That's been going around for a long, long, long time. They taught you could do all manner of things and still be okay with God. Can I tell you, that's exactly what our world's doing today. Oh, it's okay. You can get divorced as many times as you want. You know, after all, I mean, you're just trying to figure out who it is you actually really love. It's all right if you live together before you're married. It's okay. I mean, you really want to know whether you're compatible, don't you? You ever heard anybody say that? Oh, it's all right. You know, I mean, after all, who really knows whether you're drunk or not? So it's all right to go to that cocktail party. It's okay to go to that beer bash. It's fine. Man, those legalists, they just bear down on you. Be very careful because there is sin on both sides. There's sin in the legalism and there's sin in the liberty. And if the liberty brings you a license to sin, you are in sin. Period. Be careful. Because I've listened to people defend grace to the point that, as I said, they take up antinomianism. There's no law. There's nothing you need to do. Don't worry about it. It's all covered by grace. Your open rebellion to God is not covered by grace. It's not covered by grace. And anybody that tells you differently hasn't read their Bible. It's not covered by grace. It will be covered by confession and repentance, and then you'll receive grace and mercy, but your open rebellion is not okay with God. 
Period. End of conversation as far as God's concerned. So be very careful because on one side you have the libertine, on the other side you have the legalist. Both are wrong. They're wrong for different reasons. In the book of Acts, and I would encourage you to turn there to chapter 20, verse 28 it says this, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation for emphasis. Verse 28 to 31, it says this, And now beware, and be sure that you feed and shepherd God's flock. You see, what I'm doing right now is feeding and shepherding God's flock. I'm not going to fill you with a light, fluffy message when Scripture is being very clear here. Scripture is being very clear. It's pulling no punches. And so as a shepherd of the flock of God, I need to not pull punches. doesn't mean I beat you up. It means that I do tell you the truth, and that's what I intend to do. His church purchased with his blood. How did we get to Christ? By him dying on Calvary's cross. Amen? Does that make grace cheap? No, it makes it very expensive. So the grace of God was purchased by the blood of Christ, over whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. For I know well that false teachers, like vicious wolves, underline that, false teachers are like vicious wolves, will come among you, that's inside the church, amongst Christians. They'll even profess, well, I'm a Christian. Matter of fact, I'm a pastor of a very large church. But the way that you'll know that they're vicious wolves is they preach a lie. Not sparing the flock. Even some of you will distort, notice what's distorted, the truth. In order to draw a following, that explains the emergent church movement. Distorting the truth, telling people what they want to hear, making them feel good in their sin so that they can go back to whatever they were doing and think they're okay with God. That is a vicious wolf. That is not a kind shepherd. Make that distinction. Because anybody that tells you that your sin is okay with God is a thief and a liar, and they represent Satan himself. Your sin's not okay with God. Am I being clear? Good. The grace is coming. But we need to hear both sides of the coin, because this is the problem. People like the grace side, but they don't like the obedience side. And so we need to have truth and love. Isn't that what chapter 4 said? Truth in love. But truth, not at the expense of love, truth in love. Not just love, but love in truth. They're bookends. They go together. You see what they really go on to say is watch out. Remember the three years that I was with you and my constant watch over you and care over you and my many tears. You see, people love the lie because the lie makes them feel good. A lie makes them real comfortable in that area of sin in their life. And that's why all these permissive attitudes and actions that we've seen. You know, well, can I do this? Can I do that? Isn't this okay? No, not really. Notice what it says here. It says don't be associated with these things. You see, because you're going to eventually be accused of doing what you associate with. Do you get the point? 
you will eventually be accused of doing what you associate with. You see, light and darkness cannot coexist. So if you hang around with darkness more than you hang around with light, what thing do you think people are going to think about you? That's why when Christians come to me, well, you know, I'm perfectly okay to go to raves. No, you're not. Because it is a carnal, vile, disgusting environment, and no amount of you being there is shedding any light on the circumstance. Period. You want to stand outside and pass out tracts? Absolutely. But to go inside and associate with that, and for you to be in there being polluted by what you see and what you hear and what you do is not okay with God. Be careful. Your Bible says don't be associated. That word means come together with. Associated with darkness. You see lies parading as truth. And as you look at what light actually does, and notice these four things. It illuminates the right path. It separates the dead from the living. It causes growth and abundant fruit. And light exposes deadness, disaster, and danger. You can write all those things down. That's what it actually does. So if you're not actually seeing danger for what it is, if you're not actually seeing deadness for what it is, if you're experiencing disaster, if you can't tell who's the real deal and who's not, chances are you're associating in the wrong place. You may well need a change of venue. You see, what it's saying is, is, is don't be like an unbeliever is. And why I'm saying this this way is because I want you to get this principle correctly. Love and fear are just bookends of the same thing. Love should be enough. Hear me well. Love should be enough to motivate you to do what God asks. It should be enough. But sometimes it's not. And because sometimes it's not, because we pick and choose the things that we like to hear and know about God, there is the other side of grace. On one side, purely the love of God. And on the other side, the fear of God. Because if you will not do it out of love, he does want you to do it out of fear. Why do I say that? Because fear is an extreme motivator, is it not? You see, if I walk around in my own little crazy, stupid world of doing whatever I want to do, telling God what his word should and should not say, then I'm not walking in love. And so I need to then walk in fear of him. Because ultimately, I'm not discerning what God wants me to hear. I'm trying to tell him, you know what, I'm okay in my sin. I can do anything I want. Your Bible says differently. He's going to go on and use an extreme contrast here. Therefore, verse 7 says, do not be partakers with them. Verse 8, notice what it says, verses 8 and 9 and 10. For you were once, notice it doesn't say in, it says you were once darkness. It doesn't say in. You actually, without Christ, were dark. You weren't just in it. Because the world's dark. That would be in it. You were actually it. You were darkness. You were without light. 
You are darkness. If you're without light, you're dark. It's that simple. You see, you need to recognize that. Because as a child of God, you're now the light. You're not that thing anymore. And this is so important, family of God, for us to understand and lay hold of. But now you are the light in the Lord. Because of the Lord in you, you are actually the light of the world. Jesus said to the disciples, I go away, I'm leaving, you are the light of the world. Go bring the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. You're the light now. You illuminate. You show the difference between live and dead. You get the picture? It's our job. It's your job in the world. You're supposed to be so different that the illumination of Christ in your life, when you see darkness and you shine on it, they should be going, wow, that's darkness. It's now light. Not you come into the room and because darkness is there, you turn off your light. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They laugh at the same jokes, they repeat the same stories, they do the same things, they behave the same way, and you cannot tell that they are the light. And it's very sad. We need to be light, folks. People are dying. They are perishing and going to hell. And yes, that's a little bit Southern Baptist for y'all. The people are going to hell. And you have the answer for why they're going there. And we need to share the light with them. And as we do that, you're going to expose things in their life that they're not going to like. Walk as children of the light. Again, imitate, walk, be, do. You can't be a casual marijuana user and be light. You can't be a casual partier and be light. You can't sleep with your boyfriend and girlfriend and be light. You can't cuss occasionally like a sailor and be light. Do you get the picture? Why am I beating this horse? Because sometimes people don't see the light because we aren't being the light. We're being exactly what they are, and we're trying to feel bad word, comfortable. We don't want to upset anybody. We want to fit in. You know what Jesus said? Beware when men speak well of you. You get it? Why is that? Because people in the world, if they've got nothing but good things to say about you, and they're dark, they're dead, chances are they're actually saying, hey, you're dead too. You're croaked. Be careful. For this fruit of the Spirit is goodness and righteousness and truth, and finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Is that your question, family of God? You see, there are some things that love the dark. Mold, mushroom, and maggots. Roaches and rats. They love, they love the dark, don't they? Now, being down in Brazil as much as I have, I can tell you there's some things that you kind of want to be a little careful when you turn the light on at night because there's some things in there that you'd probably rather not know are in your room. And they got these spiders that are about the size of dinner plates there. 
And you turn the light on there. They're like, I have legion. <laughs> and they don't die. You spray them with Raid and they open their mouth. Ah, oh, we use that for Listerine. Pests don't like light. They like darkness. Men hate the light, Jesus said. They love their darkness. Isn't it interesting how much crime and evil and bad things go on in the night? Think about it for a second. Hi, I'm here to rob your bank. Well, they wait, generally speaking, and try and hack their way in at night. People do bad things at night. They don't want to be exposed by the light of day. And the same is true, spiritually speaking. You being the light, people don't want to be around you. You're going to probably lose some friends for standing for Jesus. Can I tell you that? It's okay. Because one day when they stand before a holy God, they will not be able to say about you that you were unfaithful to the light. They like that mold. They like the mushrooms. They like the maggots. They like to hang around in what's comfortable for them. Why? Because those things grow on dead stuff. Grows on dead stuff. Thrives in deadness, doesn't it? As children of the light, we shouldn't be causing dead things to feel better. We should make dead things very uncomfortable. We should be making bugs scurry. Amen? It's like, we're out of here. Lights on. People should be very uncomfortable around you. That doesn't mean that you're unfriendly. It means Christians in sin should not feel comfortable around the real deal. Amen? And the world should look at you and there should be a marked, distinct difference in how you live your life. And there is sometimes no difference. And it saddens me. You know, I hear the stories of some of the things that go on with people in this church. I walk into the post office. Oh, yeah, well, I saw so-and-so in such-and-such a party. In Jesus' name, if that's you, please stop because you're giving God a bad name. Is that strong enough for you? Please stop. Because you're making people think they're okay in their sin, and they need Jesus, and you're not helping. This stuff goes on the Internet, so I get to pick on people all over the world. (laughs) No, I'm just being bold with you, and you can handle it, because most of you really love Jesus. Matter of fact, I think most all of you really love Jesus. You see, that coexistence can't happen. And one of the tools that God uses is shame. But we live in a society, oh, well, you can't have them be shamed. We tell everybody they're okay in school when they're flunking. We make, somebody hits a home, well, don't mark it down as a home run, because the rest of the guys only got singles. Give everybody home runs. It's insane. You know what helped me grow into a man? Being very ashamed of the stupid, dumb, idiotic things that I've done. 
That's true physically, mentally, emotionally, and true spiritually. You're supposed to feel shame. God put that in you so that you'd look at, man, I'm walking in darkness. I don't like this. I'm supposed to be ashamed of my darkness. Not comfortable. But we don't like to be ashamed. Nobody should be ashamed. I mean, after all, I am the only thing that matters. That's our world's view. Mm-mm. Not God's view. God's view is if you do dumb things, you get to wear the spiritual dunce cap. Yeah, you're going to be very ashamed. You're going to have that burning in your heart that says, you know what, I have been displeasing to the Lord. And I don't like this feeling. Fear, shame, doubt. All those things are very beneficial. God gave them to you to change your direction. Can you imagine, have you ever thought if for a moment you didn't have pain, what would happen to you? You'd be over there sticking your hand in the fire. You'd be going out, oh, look, a car. I'm going to stand right in front of it. (laughs) You know, after the second time of getting run over, if you make it through the first one, you're kind of like, I think I'll quit doing that. You see, we're supposed to walk as children of the light. I can tell you right now, this is going to be a two-part message. But I'll get through most of it. You you see, in that illumination, you begin to walk in wisdom. You you see, I don't don't know about you, but I, I don't really like walking as a fool. And walking as a fool is exactly what I used to do, and probably you used to do. When I look at my life and the way it was in the past, I'm like, God, how did I ever live to be this old? You know, it's like, are you kidding me? Notice verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Is that plain enough? Don't fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, is that talking about never having an unbelieving friend? Absolutely not. It's talking about the fellowship that we should not have with people who are believers that are walking in sin. Because one of the quickest ways for them to get the message that they're not walking in the light is for you to go, I'm not hanging out with you. I don't want to be around you. If you're going to do those things, then forget it. It's not, we're, we're not okay with this. You know, I don't like church discipline. I do not like confronting people. I don't like bringing people into my office and going, you know what, bro, you can't do that anymore. I'm sorry, sister, but if you continue on that path, you're going to need to not attend this church anymore. Why? Because they are wolves amongst sheep. And they ain't feeding here. And we've had a few of those where Pastor Jeff has to get out his shepherd's staff and say, here's the deal. You're going to quit doing that, or this is going to get wrapped around your neck. We're going to drag you out of the church, spiritually and metaphorically speaking. I don't actually have a shepherd's crook. (laughs) But I will look people in the eye and go, stop right now. You keep hitting on the ladies in this church and doing the things you're doing, you're going to be a dead man walking. Because me and some of the elders are going to come talk to you. And it's not going to go good. 
You got to expose those unfruitful works of darkness. There's a time for it. You can't be conformed, as Romans 12 says, any longer. You need to say, you know what? Not on my watch. You click on the light. What does your Bible say? What are we supposed to do as God's kids? Notice what it says. It says, for it's even shameful to speak of these things in verse 12, which are done by them in secret. How many Christians kind of get hung up in what I like to call Christian gossip? Now, that is an oxymoron, trust me. But it is very indicative of the problem. Christian gossip. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so is doing such and such with whoever? You know, yeah, I was down there, and oh, you should have seen this and seen that and done this. and done. I can't believe it. Don't associate with it. Don't give it life. Don't repeat it. You go to that person, as Matthew 18 says, and between you and him or her alone, you make sure that they understand fully what's wrong. And if they don't receive it, go get a neutral party and go back to them and say, look, here's the deal. Here's what your Bible says. You're doing this. You've got to stop. And if that doesn't work, you bring it to the church. And if that doesn't work, you kick them out of the church so that they'll be changed. Maybe that loss of fellowship. But please don't give things life by simply talking about them. It's shameful. You know, some of the things I've heard in the context of a prayer meeting ought not be spoken of by by people of God. Just let it be. Let God deal with it. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. Notice how you really manifest them. Just simply be the light around them. Show them differently. Be different. Then all of a sudden they're going, wow, I'm kind of dark. For whatever makes manifest is light. In other words, once the light goes on, they see it. They get it. They know it. I've been in ministry long enough. Going on three decades to tell you that I've had an awful lot of people come back to me and say, you know what, you didn't need to say a thing. I knew all along I was wrong. I've had people come back after a decade and apologize to me for slandering me, slandering the church, slandering God, ultimately. The light does that. And therefore, he says, awake, verse 14, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. When we wake up, when we click on the light switch, when we begin to not dignify those issues, when we begin to speak very clearly about who God is and what God is and what God wants and how he wants us to live our lives, we shine in a dark world. It's inevitable. All of a sudden, you're walking around, and you're so different than the dark, dead people in the world, than the Christians who are walking in sin, that the Christians go, there's something wrong with me. It's what happens. And family of God, that's exactly what we need to do. I think if we spent more time being light, we wouldn't have to spend as much time judging. If we spent more time as light, we wouldn't have to spend so much time confronting. If we spent more time as light... We, we would then be the necessary imitation that causes people to realize what the problem is. 
But sometimes we, we kind of, well, I'm going to turn my light off for right now. I'm on vacation. I'm going to turn my light off right now. I'm mad at my wife. I'm going to turn my light off right now because, you know, after all, I had a bad day at work. And yes, I've done all three of those things. And probably most of you have as well. Every once in a while, I'm just like, well, I'm just not being light. You kind of stomp, kind of stomp your feet and curl up your lip and, you know, act, fold your arms. You know, like the kids do. No, not going to be light. You can't make me. You know, that's actually true. God can't make you. He won't. He will not override your free will to be dark, to turn your light off. He'll let you be dark. And that's sad. We're supposed to shine. Verse 15 See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. That word circumspectly means to crane one's neck. It's as if you're on the sidelines of maybe a parade or at an air show. I don't know how many of you have ever been to an air show, but when you watch an air show, you've got to do some neck craning, amen? And you're like looking, because you can hear the jets before they get to the airfield. You're like, where are they? Circumspectly. The other word that's used here is redeeming or purchasing. It, it means to find a bargain in the world. So you're looking, ladies, you should love this. You are going to the Macy's one day midnight sale, and you're the only one in the building. And you can go through every, you can crane your neck. Oh, look at that! My goodness, it's on the floor. You can look anywhere you want to look. You can put all the effort necessary because you're looking for that one garment that used to be $8,000 that's now 49 cents that you've always wanted. (laughs) Hallelujah, preach it. Thank you, Jesus. I feel it. But yeah, it's it's the deal. Think of it this way. You're looking, you're redeeming the time because the days are evil. The sale's not going to last forever. People are going to die and they're going to go to hell. And you're redeeming the time. You're hunting high, you're hunting low, you're craning your neck, you're looking everywhere you can look, and you're looking for that one thing that God's called you to do. Think about redeeming the time. You are given every night at midnight 86,400 seconds. And you don't get any of them back, ever. You just get new ones. So you can use them for the Lord or you can use them for the flesh. You can use them for the kingdom purposes and for the turning on of light or you can waste them in darkness. Up to you. Redeeming the time. You see, the world looks at it like, eh, it doesn't really matter. Family of God, every second matters. Every second matters. It says that's why verse 17 says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that every moment of every day you walk in the light. Every moment of every day you walk in the light. I walk in the light. We walk in the light. This church dispenses light. That's what we are. We're a light bulb. That's it. 
We don't produce light. God produces light. We are just simply the light. We get to go where he sends us. That's why it ends this way. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead filled with the Spirit. There's a contrast there. And yes, though this is a condemnation of drinking, and I want to be really clear, it is a condemnation of drinking. But that's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is this. The contrast between someone who's drunk on things of the world and someone who is filled with the Spirit. That's the contrast. People should be able to tell that we're not drunk on anything other than Jesus. Amen? So we're kind of, you know, filled with Jesus to the point people are so, man, he's kind of, yeah, and I know you've all seen this. Whether you've seen it in the movies or television, you've seen that person, they're just completely intoxicated, and you can tell because whatever they're full of is coming out. It's stupidity, ignorance, idiocy, dumb things. You know what I'm talking about. You can't even use words correctly. Can you imagine if we were so filled with the Spirit that people just like that would be able to that dude's filled with the Spirit. That woman is walking in the Spirit. They're completely filled with God so much so that it's coming out of them. It's indistinguishable from the, from the things of God. He looks like the Lord. She looks like the Lord. It's the way God's people are supposed to act. Filled with the Spirit. Because you know what? When you see a drunk person, you know they're drunk. Amen? And before anybody gets on my case about bashing drinking, I think the amount of alcohol a Christian should have is zero. But that's not what your Bible says. But I'm going to tell you why I came to that conclusion. Because there's only one positive admonition in all of Scripture that talks about drinking in a positive way. Found in the pastoral epistles, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and it is Paul making a statement to Timothy about take a little wine for your stomach and for your many infirmities. Do you know why it said that? They didn't have Rite Aid. We now have Zantac and Tums, okay? So do not tell me that, God, well, you know, we're supposed to have, he's talking to pastors and they're supposed to drink. That's not what it says. It says, for medicinal purposes, okay. Now that I've made everybody, I can't believe he said that. If God's given you that liberty, what you have to then determine is exactly how much poison you want to ingest. Because alcohol to the human body, 100% of the time, is poison. That's why your liver has to filter it out. So if you want to talk to me about the subtle nuances of how many beers you can have or how many glasses of wine, go right ahead. I'm going to tell you the same thing. Don't be associated with the unfruitful works of darkness. So for me, zero. If you're not there yet, just ask God to show you. He'll work in your life. But if you have people over and you're associating with that lifestyle, I think you've got a tough time with this passage. That's what I think. If you don't think that, Grace upon you, it's okay. But make no mistake, we're supposed to be clearly light. Clearly light. Shining brightly for the Lord. Amen? Amen. And in doing that, one last slide. I don't think I can wrap this up. I didn't think I could do it, but I can do it. Because God can do it. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart and giving thanks always and for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the contrast. Instead of being drunk, which leads to really dumb things. That word dissipation can mean debauchery, ribaldry, carnality. It actually means of no value. Dissipation, the most clear and correct, concise definition of it, is it's valueless. Being filled with wine is valueless. So at the very best, it's of no value. That, to me, borders on wasting your time, doesn't it? Certainly waste your money. You see, all of us are under the influence of something. The question is what? Wine, drunkenness, debauchery, divination, debased mind, destitution. Pretty clear. And you talk to anybody who's ever been in that environment for a consistently long period of time, you will find those things. You'll find those things. Don't make excuses for it. Well, you know, I just like having a beer after work. So what are you showing your kids? What are you showing your neighbor when you're walking around? Because they don't know whether you had one or two. And I'm not trying to put legalism on you. I'm trying to tell you, think from God's perspective what that does. Because you only got those seconds once. How are you spending them? Are you drunk in the spirit? Are you so filled with the spirit that people look at your life and go, man, there's something totally different about her, about him? That's what we ought to be. You see, if we walk in the light of the Holy Spirit, we're filled with purity and purpose and power, and in this case, praise. Amen? I think that's a better way to live our lives. So if I'm going to walk in the light as he is in the light then I should look as close to the real deal as I possibly can. And frankly, I can't see Jesus talking, tossing back a couple of Budweiser's with the guys. I can't. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm a little daft. Maybe I'm a little limited in my liberty. I don't know. I sure don't see him lighting up and token. You know, dude, pass the bong. I'm pretty sure I, that's not the light. Hey, man, read this article in this paper. Wow, she's hot. I'm pretty sure Jesus is not okay with that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Walk in the light as he is in the light. And do not do the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't even be associated with them. I want purity. I want purpose. I want power. And I want to be praiseworthy of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the patience of these people. Lord, to sit and listen. And God, I know that there, there is grace in our lives. And Father, we so thank you for grace and for mercy. But Lord, we want to walk in the Spirit. We do not want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Give us victory over those areas of our lives where perhaps there's compromise. God, maybe we've ended up in a place that we didn't want to go, Lord, but because of those little tiny things that compounded over time, we're just not the bright lights we should be. We're, we're kind of dim. Lord, our batteries need to be changed. And so, Lord, we bless you. We praise you. Help us to shine. 
Lord, help men to see those good works and glorify our Father who is in us. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask all this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen.